Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. <laughs> Joseph. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi. It's so good to see you. I see you're sitting in a car somewhere in San Diego. You got to tell us about that. I am. So I'm visiting my mother in law, Rebecca, who I adore. And her house tends to be a little noisy mm-hmm. with phone calls and speaker volume things. And this is the quietest place I could find in her house. And I'm dedicated to my craft and having a good experience for our listeners. So I'm sitting in a car in a pretty fairly cluttered garage. That's where I am. Where are you? Well, I'm going to ask you a quick question before I tell you where I am. What is one thing that stands out in that cluttered garage right now? An ironing board that does not collapse, which is a little crazy making for somebody who likes to organize things like I do. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. Thank you for, for the, the visual. It's very helpful for me to understand your environment. See, um, listener, aren't you glad you showed up for this conversation today? It's just it's earth shattering, right? So earth shattering. I am presently, as always, I'm sitting in my bedroom slash office looking out at some beautiful greenery here in New York City. And uh, I am working towards getting my show finished and rehearsed. Mm, And uh, so that is what has been weighing heavily on my mind and my heart and my body for the past several months. And now it's going to happen whether I am memorized or not. (laughs) So I'm also just excited because we have another brilliant artist in the room with us today, which is Alicia. And uh, this is Alicia. It's Peterson, right? Yeah, it's Alicia oh, Peterson Baskell. All Baskell, great. It's I just nice didn't want long. to say Peterson, and you'd be like, "It's just Peterson." Just say Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I'm going to quickly do your bio here, so people know uh, who you are, what you do, what what you're passionate about. So Alicia Peterson Baskell is a dance artist, fiber artist, and writer with a relentless belief that we are all born artists. I could not agree more. Hmm. She received her master's in fine arts degree in. In the dance theater from UC San Diego and went on to start a contemporary dance performance company, a fiber art business, and a podcast about the creative process of art making. Alicia currently teaches breathwork for creativity as a way to give artists and creative entrepreneurs access to their own intuitive inner voice. Welcome. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. Thank you. I am too. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to start at the beginning. And for me, the beginning, Alicia, is tapping into our intuitive voice. My first question, and I think I already know your answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you believe that we all have an intuitive voice? And if so, how the fudge do we tap into it? (laughs) Yes, 100%. I believe we all have an intuitive voice. Um, And tapping into it has been a question of mine for years. Mm. When I was in grad school, actually, that was a big question because I was starting to really engage with more improvisation as my mode of, of working. And 
that question as I'm improvising, as I'm improvising with movement is, am I listening to my choreographic voice? Am I listening to what I think I'm supposed to do? Or can I get to a place where I'm going, where I'm flowing, where I'm just in touch with my intuition and I can trust? And it would often take me a while. And it, you know, sometimes I would never get there in an improvisation Mm -hmm. for a while as I was kind of asking those questions and wondering, I would, I would talk to my professors and say, okay, is it, it's just right there on the surface. I know it's got to be there. It's got to be right there on the surface. Just searching, searching for that intuitive voice. Mm. It's, it's, it's one of those things that takes practice. I believe, I believe uh, if you, you can have a practice of tapping in improvisation became my practice for a long time. In that space, I could tap into my intuition and then I could carry it with me into, you know, my day-to-day life. The things, you know, do I want to go to this coffee shop or that coffee shop? Not that that matters, but mm-hmm. that's a good right, place. Right. Right? Sure. It's a good place to practice that kind of just what, what am I listening to? What do I, am I listening to my core? Is there something that is speaking to me or am I just going with what I usually do, you know, going on, um, going just on, on, uh, autopilot, right. Am I going autopilot or am I, am I really listening to what I want to be doing and what my intuition is telling me? Hmm. Interesting. I'm curious, Alicia, if you can just specify for our listeners right now, the type of improvise you, improv that you do, if it's movement-based, if it's text-based, if it's all of the above, uh, just to help differentiate that for people. Yeah, absolutely. I know there are a lot of different ways of improvising and a lot of different rules around different mm-hmm. types of improvising. And mine is, uh, is a movement-based improvisation and it's dancer. It's, it comes from postmodern dance. Uh, so it's movement, but I also work with a lot of in, at UCSD at UC San Diego. I worked with uh, Yolanda Snaith and other people who were working in dance theater modes. So text comes up, voice comes up. Uh, there's a lot of vocalizing within it, but there aren't certain rules. The rule of uh, that I've heard you guys actually speak about, yes, and mm-hmm. doesn't always apply because mm. there are a lot of options and that's one option, but we're not necessarily trying to create a, a sort of forward moving story. We can go sideways. We can go up and down and backwards and all around. It's so abstract that it's um just it's so open Mm. i mean you'll see you'll see artists you'll see just like kind of fumbling around with something that they're doing for a long time and it's not that interesting because interesting (laughs) isn't always the most important thing with this kind of improvisation Mm. right a hundred percent yeah i i i'm curious though because the yes and for me in that in that context is there might be the one person here investigating something for a really long time and listeners like I'm like scrunching up my fingers and like <laughs> and doing a little contractible thing here in front of the camera. But um, it's that that kinesthetic response that yes and to that person taking up that space in relationship to the other person that might be in the space to it as well. And so when you talk about um, the surface piece of it. I'm curious because there's the solo surface piece of it, like you in time and space alone. And then 
there's the, and not to get too meta about this, but I get really excited about these kind of conversations. And, but then there's also, there's also that intuitive voice in relationship to other people in time and space. And so sometimes that can also feel really surfaced, but it's so beautiful when you can all interconnect and you can feel the energy in the room where everyone has dropped into their intuitive self playing off of each other as a collective whole. Absolutely. Yes. And that in, in that space, yes, and is absolutely it's everything. I mean, you, yeah. you're not working alone. You just mm. know you can be facing one direction and your partner is facing a completely different direction and you just trust. You just yeah. trust and you feel mm-hmm. and you can feel that energy of the group or solo. You know, you, you feel it all right. Beautiful what's happening mm-hmm. for you and what's happening for the group. Alicia, is it okay if I back up a little bit? Yes. Because <laughs> there was something that you said when you were beginning to describe your process, the artistic yeah. process, and you said, sometimes you don't always get there, right? Yeah. Which is okay, right? We're mm-hmm. not always looking mm-hmm. for an end result. But I'm wondering if for our listener, our listener may have experienced not getting there, not mm-hmm. discovering their intuition or not following the process. And that's a really good place to quit, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, this doesn't work for me. Oh, I must not be intuitive. Oh, other people must be more creative than me. So to hear someone with your degree of accomplishment and founding your own contemporary dance program and and dance company even you sometimes don't get there so i wonder if you could please i'm sorry to put you on the spot but i bet you can do this can you please encourage and speak to our listener who wants to quit when they can't find their own intuition or their own process yeah absolutely uh i mean it's It's a practice. Like I said earlier, I believe that the creative process is a practice and that you are likely to throw away in some ways, a lot of what you're working on, a Mm. lot of what, what comes up, you know, even whether you're an improviser or whether you are trying to make something that you will then produce, there is so much that we have to kind of get out of the out of our system, right? There's, there's fear. There's that voice that, like I've talked about before, I call it my choreographer's voice. And she's learned a lot about choreography and what she's supposed to do. But when she's speaking to me, as I'm improvising, when my inner voice, when my inner choreographer is speaking to me, she's getting in the way of my ability to really tap into that intuitive flow and that space of, of really creating. And it feels, I mean, I'm after it because of, of how it feels mm-hmm. more than what it might look like from the outside mm-hmm. or what somebody else might think about it. So that, that choreographer voice really doesn't belong in there. And that choreographer voice for somebody else could be, you know, the rules of, of writing or the rules of painting or the rules that they, that they think that they've learned over the years, those are so important, right? But if that's the only thing guiding you, then you're not going to be able to express yourself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you kind of have to go through that and you have to, you know, experience exploring what that choreographer is saying to you 
you know, mm-hmm. or what the rules are telling you and kind of get some of that out. And then the more and more you do it and the more and more you practice it, the more you can see those voices and you can say, okay, I hear you, but I choose not to, I choose not to go in that direction. I used to call the kind of, and I, I may still call it this, but the kind of work that I was doing with my dancers, intuitive choice making, which can mm. sort of sound, you know, counter intu- counterintuitive, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there is mm. this element of, of being able to hear the voices and choose choosing and mostly it's choosing not to follow the old ways or the ways that uh, out of fear or out of um, trying to please somebody else or trying to please something that you expect. That's so, it's, it. Yeah. So many thoughts are going through my head. This is really Me a, too. a, a Me great too. direction <laughs> this conversation because it, it, I keep thinking about the inner critic. You, you're saying the inner choreographer, um, you know, what, our very first interview was with my husband, Gary Grundy, and he has this exercise where he has all write all the bad song ideas, all of the bad song titles that you can think of, get all the bad ideas out on paper and there's something, the gold nugget in there is that your hopefully your good idea will come from it. And the good ideas often come from the bad ideas if we allow our, ourselves to, to push through, right? Which yeah. is, I think, we're, yeah. we're, this is where we're talking, like in the, and I want to hear about your creative process too, because I think it's this intersection that we're talking about um, that a lot of people stop, like what Joseph said. This is where people stop. They like everything, my inner critic has gotten so big in my head that they can't even see that one of their bad ideas could potentially mm. lead to something yeah. bigger and better and beautiful and not better. I don't want to say the word better, but just different. Yeah. Or that where they're, where they are with that idea that seems bad, maybe not, may be bad right now or may look yeah. bad or feel bad, but when explored can bloom and blossom and become something so incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The word that keeps coming to mind is I hear both of you brilliant people speak, and that is value. Like, what mm. do we as human beings value? Do we value how it feels? Do we value how it looks? Because you spoke to both of those things, Alicia. Right? Do we value the process? Do we value curiosity? Or do we only value the end product? And <clears throat> not that there's anything wrong with any of those choices, right? But I think. By you being here today, you're encouraging us to sit with the discomfort, as Meredith likes to coach us, right? (laughs) Sit with that and be like, you know what? This idea might lead to something else and just trust it. Yeah. That's huge. That's really huge for us and for our listeners. And thank you for that. Yeah. And as you guys are are speaking, I'm remembering a process that I did uh, where I was working with five artists. And basically, and this was in graduate school, basically it was to help me sort of unlearn what I knew about choreography because I was great at shaping the space and telling my, my dancers where to go. And, and I loved that. But at some point that was starting to feel less interesting to me and not meaningful for me moving forward. And so I was really trying to exactly what you guys are saying, figure out how to create a space and create a process over time where I would let my dancers have the space to mess up for a long time to start to take in ideas, to make mistakes and to, you know, the dancers and myself 
figure out ways to frame improvisation and to put us to create a space where they could be the most successful they could be improvising in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And we did, I mean, but somewhere in the middle of there, I remember my professors coming in and one of my professors was just like, Alicia, I don't know (laughs) where this is going or what's going to happen. And I said, you've got to trust me. They are going to get there. They're not there right now because as you guys might also know, we, in our own little private space, we were doing great. Nobody was watching us. We were doing great. Mm -hmm. But kind of like what Meredith was talking about, when you have the other people in the performance, you can feel their energy. And when you have audience, you can feel their energy, especially when you're improvising. And then all of those voices come back even louder. And so that's what happened to these dancers. They, they just, they had audience and they just fumbled. And they, mm-hmm. you know, they, it just, but it was so important to their process. And from, I think, I think then on out, we kept bringing people in so that that was normalized. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's, um, I a hundred percent agree. And even for those who are listening, who are not performers, I say, cause I, I do a lot of facilitation in public speaking. I always say the audience is still a part of your process. That is a part of your practice routine because something shifts in your material, the way you deliver, the way you improvise when you are being seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's fundamentally a different shift and we need to prepare ourselves for that. And so I would imagine then, you know, as an improviser, you st- that audience then starts to be just come apart. They become a part of the world the more you get in front of them. Yeah, it definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I love this conversation. So I wish we were here (laughs) drinking tea. Okay, but we're not. You're going to have to leave at some point and then we can't talk about it until later. Okay, but I'm curious more too. So it sounds like you shared a little bit of your creative process, but can you dig a little bit deeper into where you are now, now that you're out of graduate school and how that's informed you? And it sounds like what you were working on in grad school is not only these improvisational components, but also giving your performers agency to bring their true talents and gifts into the space. So I'm curious how that's informed how you work today. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's been, I mean, it's always an investigation for me because why not, you know, why not keep investigating? And so the last time I worked with a group, we were working and I I think Joseph might be interested in this too. We were, we were working back and forth between writing and we would write about what we were doing, but in a way that was not, uh, that was not like, oh, step here and twirl here and do this. No, mm. it was, it was, you know, here was an improv- improvisation and we're going to sit down and we're going to write what came up. But in my improvisations over these years of, of continuing to explore, I dig deeper and deeper into what's happening in my imagination. So while I'm dancing and while I'm following my intuition, then I added that element of imagination on top of it and things will come up and I'll be on the beach Mm -hmm. and I'll be doing different, you know, crazy things can come up. A big giant piece of candy in the middle of the stage, (laughs) you know, things that you can't, you you could ask your set designer to create for you, but you're not in that exact moment, right? So Mm -hmm. there's this, blank space but my imagination is going and I'm, I'm encouraging my 
dancers to use their imagination. And so then when we're writing about it, it isn't about this actual space that we're in. It's about what the imagination, what came up mm -hmm. in imagination. And we can take that writing and use it to sort of record what we just made, but record it in a way that doesn't value, it's coming back to values, that doesn't value the outcome, that values what's happening internally and allows for more interesting things to potentially rise up from the other dancers and from other artists. So it's really fun. And, and then the writing becomes something in and of itself too, something that could be shared as a poem or as a, a short piece of prose. Uh, so that's what I ha I've been working on. I have been working as a soloist now for the last few years, mostly because of necessity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, both financially and just space mm -hmm. in general. And the, the most recent piece that I have done was, you know, totally because of COVID and just wanting to be, seeing more work because something that you may not know about me is that I, well, you may or may not know about me is that I also am an avid audience member. I love watching performance. It's as much of a passion of mine as performing is. Mm. And I just wanted to see performance, but I felt the responsibility on my end to also then, if I want to see performance, I need to be performing so mm. I performed for some of my friends in my kitchen, which is tiny. It's so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> and I could only have two people. Mm. And I thought, well, this is COVID safe, right? It's, it's, and they were out on the patio. So it was the best experience I had had in so long. And, but it's kind of goes back to something that has been going on forever. Is that for me, is that witness having that witness changes everything for my improvisation letting myself imagine in my kitchen while i'm being witnessed and moving it was one of my favorite performances and i really consider it so funny because part of me you know the choreographer producer part of me is like that was a performance really but mm. for me, it was, it, it was. was, it was. Well, <laughs> but look at, so, oh my gosh, I'm so interested in this. <clears throat> Forgive my voice. But even as a, a choreographer and a dancer, long time with your own dance company, and you're still looking at that critic, right? So sometimes when we're new to our artistic process, we hear the critic and we quit or I'm not good enough. Da, da, da. But even all these years later, Alicia, you're like, I did a performance in my kitchen with invited guests out on the patio. And I'm still doubting whether or not this was performance yet. Can I also say you gave yourself permission to do this? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That was huge. I feel it's um, too, it's, oh, sorry, go ahead. I just, I just want to, before we close, I, I really, really want to um, tap into your brilliance around yeah. breath work because I mm. know that can serve our listeners so well, and I don't want to ignore that part of your brilliance. Yeah. Tell us about your breath work experience. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I took some classes online. It was so great because, I mean, it was over Zoom before we were all so, so familiar with Zoom. And, um, and I, 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 was, I took for about a year, I took from a, a teacher who was up in LA, 
for about a year. And at first I was just kind of breaking through it. It lines up with what we're talking about with improvisation too. You know, at first I was just breaking through some grief that I was dealing with um, and, and maybe even some of my own skepticism over breathwork or, you know, what it could possibly do. And as I continued to experience it uh, as a, you know, as a person doing it, not leading it, I realized I felt in my body. The, the cool thing was that I could feel in my body what I would feel when I would experience something like cranial sacral work mm -hmm. um, from a practitioner, but I was doing it on my own. And that excited me, that ability to do something with my own breath that still had that same outcome was really exciting and then and so I started moving at the end of of a session I started kind of feeling my body move and then in the next session I started getting some clear kind of images so we talk about like my the imagination as I'm improvising it's so similar those these images would come up and some clarity around you know pursuing something going forward and be in and trusting myself and so there was there's kind of two ways that it started to impact my creativity it would i would feel that i would see those images and they were very clear for me not always specific but the feeling was specific that feeling of of keep going of uh the, there's something there at the end of this tunnel keep going and also just the feeling in my body of wanting to move i mean <laughs> i would finish a session or we'd be at in at the end of a session and i can talk about what breath work is in a moment but at the end of a session you lie you lie down as if in yoga shavasana it's all lying down and i sometimes just had to start and listeners i'm moving my arms right now <laughs> i had to start moving my arms and just playing with that energy that i was feeling in my body and that's when i realized this is something i needed to learn to teach to bring to creative people and to bring you know to not just dancers because i felt like yes that was a very obvious because it is a body body work mm -hmm. but also it supported me as a writer and it supported me just to trust, just to keep trusting myself and to keep trusting what we've been talking about all along, trusting my intuition. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And tell us what breath work is for those yeah. of us. Sorry, Meredith. No there's a few, I know there's a few different modalities of breath work. And the kind that I teach, it's a three-part breath. Um, you do you breathe all through your mouth into your belly into your chest and out and you do that it's an active rhythmic breathing it's it's not even necessarily something that you do like in the line on the bank you know when you're in a line and you're getting feeling anxious or something they tell you to take deep breaths this is something a little different this is something where you're lying down on the ground it's about 20 25 minutes of active breathing and the facilitator guides you through and keeps you going and reminds you to come back to the breath. So it starts to be very meditative. Your mind 
is focused on your breathing. So your mind starts to go away and your body just takes in all this oxygen and then you rest. And that's where, you know, the real magic happens. Yes, hmm. that rest. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Thank you. A participant of breath work in classes. There's a lot of detoxifying and mm. also the clarity that you spoke of and incredible amounts of of deep rest. It's really, really beautiful. Meredith, what were you gonna say? Oh, I, I was I was basically gonna say what you were gonna say, not what you just said. <laughs> Not and to complicate. Not as oh no, uh, no, not yeah, of course not. Don't, of course not. I was actually curious because I love all of this, I, and I, I'm also just curious about your podcast. Like you have so many cool things going on, so I wanted you to also be able to have some time to talk about that, so that our listeners can find you and be inspired. Yeah. Yes. And this has been an exciting journey that's part of i think how we got connected is because uh, in january i launched my podcast inside the creative process mm -hmm. and i've always wanted to write about dance i'm starting to do that a bit but i sort of realized at some point that as a dancer myself if i was writing about dance or critiquing it in any way that 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 would be hard on me uh, mm -hmm. to to be critiquing something and then putting myself out there. And then what am I, you know, that sort of back and forth um, mm -hmm. within a small community. And so what I realized is what I really want people to know is I want people to know what's happening inside of the work. Because mm -hmm. for me as an audience member, I just love to know how did you make that? Where did that start? What was your process? How much did you fail before you succeeded? Um, you know, all of those things. It's so supportive. And so I talk to different artists about their creative process and sometimes their journey, you know, to where they are in whatever their art form is. And I've talked to an opera director, puppetry artists, dancers, uh, writers, all kinds. I mean, I'm, I'm just so interested because there's so much over, you know, so much crossover and we all can relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, this has been a really wonderful conversation. I feel like I could carry on this. I have so many more things that I would want to say to you. <laughs> you were talking about fiber arts, Meredith Grandin. We didn't even talk about our fiber arts. I know. Yes. Well, this is, this is, you know, I always say leave them wanting more. And I feel yeah. that they need to look, they need to find Alicia so they can find out more about what she has going on because it's, it's quite impressive. And, um, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm curious, Alicia, if you don't mind sharing with us where people can find you uh, because you teach the breath work. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. I do. And I teach a class that, that involves the breath work that I taught that I told you about, mm -hmm. but it's going to move into a space where we'll be creating together. So somebody who's a writer can bring their, their writing. They can, somebody can bring their easel all from zoom mm -hmm. all online and we can be in this creative space together. And I think that's, um, that's going to be really exciting. Oh, so yeah, I, you can find me on Instagram really easily. That's the, that's the place I, I spend the most time at Alicia Peterson Baskell, mm -hmm. all one word. Uh, and also inside the creative process is the name of my podcast. 
So those are the two places that are the easiest to find me. Terrific. Well, thank you. This has been so wonderful. And I, it's such it's so great to meet you. And now that I've met you, I'm sure that our paths will cross. I hope so. In those, fri- so. In those fringy circuits. Yes. Um, and Joseph, any other last words that you have? I had a question for Alicia. And is there one action that you could share with our listeners to help them connect to their intuitive self? in a way that inspires them to keep going? Yeah, yes. Question, I'm sorry, but I I think you're up for it. (laughs) I think I'm up for it. I I think, you know, whether it's breath work or any other type of quiet space, I think that, you know, the two things a person needs to do to help them stay with it is to have that time to be quiet, to let their mind wander, to let their imagination have fun, let their imagination just go crazy, and then to keep practicing. So if you put your pen to paper one day and you get nothing out of it, go back the next day. And if you get nothing out of it, then go back the next day and just keep keep doing it because that's it's a practice. Mm-hmm. It really is. Thank you. And I think that, that could be challenging because we are in this day and time conditioned for immediate gratification. And that doesn't always happen with creative process. Right. Yeah. And that's what you, when it goes back to the value, you know, what are we valuing? Mm-hmm. Are we valuing that creative process and that, that space of being or just what we produce? Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your brilliance with our listeners. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Are You Waiting for Permission? If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Amy Shelley and Gary Grandi of High Fiction for letting us use their music in this podcast. All right, my friends, until next week, 